0: Hi, I'm Sean Horn, founder and CEO of Bebel.ie. So, what is Bebel? Well, it's a place of positivity. It's a place where you can be happy, be kind, be bold, feel supported and encouraged to fulfil your dreams. So, join us on social at Bebel.ie for future events and upcoming podcasts. Hello and welcome to beba Podcast with myself, Sean Horn. Today's guest is Alex. Now, Alex is a friend of mine, but actually, I learned so much um, through this interview. It's a really amazing story of how somebody has taken something that they struggled with so hard during their life and actually turned it to help and support other people. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And if you did, please don't forget to review and follow. So today I am with the fabulous Alex. How are you?
1: Sherlock. Sure, I'm like everybody else, I suppose, you know, over at dot com, but completely institutionalized at this point, like genuinely, I think. Yeah, completely just, you know, was rage against the machine after Christmas, just really ragey, and I can't do this anymore. And it's so unfair, and it's unfair in my 19 year old, and my parents, and blah blah blah. And now I'm just in this really. In the last two weeks, I'm just like, oh well, you know, completely institutionalized to the point where I just, I kind of, I don't know if I've surrendered to it is the right word, or just, I don't know. Is there, you know, I, look, I've we've never lived through a pandemic before, so. I'm pretty sure that somebody will write thesis and books and everything, you know, after this and they'll have the seven stages of living through a pandemic. And I think this will be a stage where it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, okay, I don't really want to go outside anymore and meet people. And I'm perfectly happy in my pajamas and my flat shoes. And yeah, bye. (laughs) That's the stage I'm in.
0: I know I just said to you before we went on air, you know, I, I am concerned because I am a very social person and love to be out and about. And I have definitely succumbed to it. Um, and it's concerning me how unsociable I am. <laughs> yep. But but yeah, I think it's a bit like bereavement, isn't it? It's a bereavement of your old life. Until it that's
1: actually when I was saying you know I'm sure somebody will do the seven stages I was talking, you know I was thinking of Elizabeth Cooper Ross you know how she has the seven stages of grief and I'm pretty sure if you and I googled what they are this phase is a phase
0: yeah after grief yeah I think so yeah. absolutely absolutely but anyway, enough of, enough of our Enough of bloody COVID, shut up. Like, you know, just <laughs> don't think about it. <laughs> just don't think about it. I'm actually, I, I love, I, I like, this is my life now. I just love. I know, it's so exciting. You. I know, it's great. I just love to see people's faces. But yeah. um, so, b listen, it's all about you today. It's all about mm-hmm. your life story. So where did it all begin? Oh, crikey. Uh, here in Cork. This is where I was born. Um, in Douglas, I
1: grew up in uh, Douglas. Uh, um, so, my, my dad's from Cork, my mum would be from Wexford. Um, they met in the Metropole Hotel in Cork City where they both worked. She fell over a chair, he picked her up. She was engaged at the time, so he literally oh, swept God. her off her feet, which has been very difficult to live up to all of these <laughs> 50 years that I've been living. Uh, haven't succeeded yet, but that's okay. Um so so, yeah. And, you know, just had a kind of a normal, you know, like middle class childhood. He went to Eglantine, hated it, you know, went to boarding school, really hated it. Uh, like really hated it, and um, I, 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 my mom said they chose to pull me out after my junior cert, but I think I probably got kicked out. Like I, I just was that kid who was just, I just never remember feeling happy or content or, you know, comfortable in my own skin, which was, you know, challenging because I was from a very privileged, you know, family. We had everything but I was deeply, I was just, you know, deeply uncomfortable in my own skin, always. I cannot remember a time when I wasn't like that.
0: And could, did you find other people that were, felt like you? Did you? No, like,
1: no. <laughs> no, Like there was no, do you know, back then mum always says, you know, for God's sake, we did the best that we can. There was no bloody Dr. Phil when I was raising kids and she has a massive point. So we didn't talk about our feelings. There was no psychology. There was no, you know, well I certainly didn't know you know any education on group and group dynamics and all that kind of stuff so I I actually was I would describe my childhood and my teenage years as well my childhood is quite uh, isolated because I felt that I never fit in and so I, I, because I felt like I was always on the outside looking in. I was always on the outside looking in. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't a popular kid. I, and then because I tried to make myself popular, I think I made myself so much more unpopular. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I would imagine I was very difficult <laughs> to be around. But I, you know, I was a kid. I, I, I kind of didn't kind of know any better. And then when I was a teenager, I was incredibly self-destructive because I still felt that way um you know and then I took the first opportunity that I could and I, I turned 18 in June and I was gone to Canada the following August like that that August as a nanny and um I stayed there for 12 nearly 13 years
0: okay but you know and
1: yeah
0: as a kid though and you know that you're turning 18 and you have it in you that you you know you want to get away like why Canada you know what 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 drew you to Canada? My mum.
1: My mum came home one day and I had failed my leaving cert the first time around, you know, which didn't surprise me in the slightest because I hated school and I didn't do a tap. So me failing my leaving cert was like, yeah, okay, like I was gonna fail it, but I I actually think it caused my mum great shame. You know, I I know that like I've just had a kid, you know, go through the leaving search well like last year and, you know, try first year college and eventually just say in February, I cannot do this in my bedroom anymore. And I was like, OK, you know, he thought about it long and hard. He dropped out of college. There's zero. Sh- I have zero shame about that. In fact, I'm so proud of him. You know, first of all, that he's in a space where he can come say to me, I can't do this anymore. And here's my choice. And he knows I'm going to hold that choice for him. But it was different. You know, like I turned 50 last year. It was it was different back then. So my mom was scrambling And we were in in the middle of a huge recession back in 1988, you know, like people were losing their homes and losing their cars. And it was affecting my family also. So she came home one day and she had this advertisement and she was like, look, in the Echo. And they were like, they're looking for au pairs, they called, or nannies. And I was like, what's a nanny? She's like, it's the American word for au pair because... I didn't even know there was a difference between Canada and America at that time. Okay. So anyway, I went through the interview process. of two Irish girls set up a nanny agency in Toronto and they were back doing recruiting. And I was just like, take me. I hate it because, like, I felt that Ireland was my problem. Do you know what I mean? Like, I felt like I feel like this because, I mean, I, I was just born into the wrong family, born into the wrong country. I mean, boy, was I in for a shock when I got to Canada and realized, oh, there I am. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but that's a whole other story and that's how Canada came about yeah my mother going oh my god we need to have you know have her something to uh, give her something to do and and I went and I I still think like my kid is 19 and I just we often say listen he often say to me I mean when I was your age like I was already you know like when you were my age you were already in Canada and I just cannot wrap my brain around the fact that at like he'll be 20 this year and I was in Canada nearly two years on my own at, at his age and I just I can't wrap my brain around the fact that I actually went at, at such a young age by myself to the other side of the world but that's how uncomfortable and how unhappy I was that's how unhappy I was so I just thought it would magically fix me
0: and did you have any experience in looking after
1: children? Oh and- yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Geez, I wouldn't have been hired. I did a lot of babysitting. Like my next door neighbor, I, I was like the you know the local babysitter. So yeah, loads. And I volunteered for the Casa Association, which um, you know has physically and mentally disabled kids, and I, I loved that. So no, I did. I, I I had a lot of experience with kids. Okay. <laughs> they wouldn't just bit, take
0: anyone i was getting a bit worried then <laughs> like please take me i'm brilliant at everything and get there no no, no no, no. <laughs> so you get to canada where do you end up i got
1: picked up by the airport by my family you know that that hired me through the agency and um like like i i, I was just kind of like you know completely overwhelmed and so uh, Canadian houses are amazing. They all have basements. So I had a basement apartment, you know, I got paid every week. I had one child to look after. He was two when I got there. And the nanny agency, because they had recruited a lot of Irish girls, like through I remember uh, the very first party I threw and their house had a swimming pool and I was just like like I thought I was in Hollywood. I mean, yeah. for God's sake, you know. Um, and you know what? I absolutely I I loved it now. I changed my name on the plane, you know, so I know there'll be people listening to this going like, Alex, that's that's just not her name, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I, I was, I was christened Sandra. So like, until I was 18, everybody knew me as Sandra.
0: And I actually still just, ugh, like, it just... Well, I don't know if you remember. A couple of years ago, we were out, and a friend of mine came yeah. up and went, "Hi, Sandra," and I just was like, "Who, who the hell is Sandra?" Who the hell is that? <laughs> and I, I remember you saying, I, "I'd like to be called Alex now." Yeah. And I Absolutely. remember, like, I remember her face being confusion, my face being confusion, and you were like, "I'll tell you later." <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you later. Um, I, like,
1: and and look, I I was I suppose I was that deeply you know unhappy. You know, really, um, that when I got on the plane, I, I just, I just wanted, like I thought that if I gave myself a new name and I stepped off the plane, I'd just be the person I've always wanted to be, who was confident and funny and popular, you know, and all those things that 18-year-old me wanted to be. And so I changed my name
0: mid-Atlantic. <laughs> I got off the plane. I just said my name was Alex. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so with with that name change, did anything change for you?
1: Oh, God, no. You know, like, no, you know, like you, you can't outrun yourself. I mean, look, I, I'm an addiction counselor now. So like my,
0: yeah. my
1: business is integrating people back into themselves. And, you know, like, I mean, I tried my very hardest to outrun myself, but you can't because, you know, that old saying, where you go, there you are um and and i had a tough time there you know I, I i i abused drugs you know for a very long time um and that's why i do the job that i do you know they nearly killed me um and i didn't talk about that for a very long time you know because of the shame that's involved you know for me um you know for that period of my life you know i i i kind of fell into a drug addiction you know and I was surprised I did as well, you know, just kind of the rave scene happened and I was massively. involved.
0: How did it happen through the social scene and then it escalated from there?
1: Oh yeah. Through the rave scene. And that was like 1992. And, you know, I remember, you know, taking XD for the first time and it's, you know, it's a fantastic drug when you take it the first time and I, you just feel like, happy and joyous and lovable and you know and but like everything else it it start it stops working after a while and then you have to take more and I never stopped, you know, like I the, some of the people that I would have been in the race scene with started moving on and having families and you know getting careers and I was still I couldn't
0: there go. I just was
1: unable to stop. Um so I had some really rough times In my 20s, um, you know, there were some amazing fun times, but there were some very dark times. Um, And, uh, you know, becoming pregnant, and I always say this, completely and utterly um, turned my life around. Because I think at that point, I had just, you know, we were talking earlier about the surrendering to the co, I had just surrendered to the drugs. Like, I just didn't care anymore. I just, I genuinely believed that like, this is just my life now and you know this is what I'm worth and so I'm not even going to try anymore and then then I I had my son and everything changed
0: but at that point I suppose because that's quite a long period of time Mm -hmm. it's like your 20s like yeah my whole 20s yeah it, it is your decade like it is and and when you say you'd surrendered to it, like you'd surrendered mm-hmm. to, I have to go partying every weekend, or was it happening, had it escalated then? So it oh, no, happening? it was
1: every day. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, beyond the the ecstasy to cocaine, okay. which is, you know, just, it, it nearly killed me, you know, and I just had surrendered to, this is who I'm supposed to be. Okay. You know, I, I genuinely believe some people are, like, this This genuinely was my mindset. Some people are nurses, some people are teachers. I'm a drug addict this is my calling, this is, this is all I'm, you know, this is all I'm, for me, I genuinely felt like this is all I'm worth.
0: And and when you feel like that, and that's all I'm worth, like, were you still, you know, how do you still work? How do you still function? How do you still, you know, how does it how You know, this pretty is- amazing
1: isn't it I think back and I just think because I have this incredible and I'm able to talk about this without getting all like oh I'm so sorry I'm talking about myself because I'll say it straight I have an incredible resilience like you know I was born with it this you know incredible strength and independence that I think saved my life Um, and but also I had a, a counselor you know that an addiction counselor that I went to that accepted me it didn't matter if I'd, you know, done drugs over the weekend or I hadn't managed to stay clean. She was like, "I'm here for you. I accept you. You've got this. You're, you will grow through this. You know, you're strong. You're beautiful. You're loving." And she's the reason I do my job today. Um, and I think having her around the age of 28, um, I think stopped me from completely losing my life. Um, because she gave me this, even though I changed a lot about my drug use, but I hadn't completely stopped. But I had someone who just completely, unconditionally accepted me every week. I would go in there.
0: Yeah. I, I, I was having a conversation similar to this actually yesterday. She didn't just accept you. She trusted you, that you yeah. were on the right path. Yeah. She didn't say, oh, you just can't do it. She said, no. oh, you're not there yet, but I trust that yeah. you so she trusted she would
1: say to me and I I find myself saying to my clients all the time you I I can't do and I'm like but you are doing it she would say that to me all the time but you're here but you are doing it this is your process and some people's is some people's process is fast and and some people's are slow and she saved my life you know and and she's the reason why I went on eventually and went you know what that's I want to do that because she saved my life, and and you know, not that I'm saying about I'm there saving people's lives, but it's why I, I went back to college to do what I do because of Marianne.
0: Yeah, mm. you can certainly say that you help people to do that.
1: Yeah, I love my job.
0: You're you're mm. part of the puzzle, which is I love my job. Mm. But so so you find out uh, you're pregnant. Yeah, things start changing. Like, was there a day that you remember this light bulb or? Was- um
1: honestly it it was probably so I become pregnant I was with you know my son's birth father and well that wasn't gonna you know last long he was a male version of me so like you know we weren't gonna have long loving lasting relationships and and I remember um you know having you know telling obviously telling my parents that I was pregnant and you know I was so it was so interesting you know I was terrified to tell my dad but actually my dad was the one who took it the best and I remember he rung me one day in Canada and he said, that's enough of that now. You know, please come home and let me look after you because you've been gone long enough now. So please come home. And I remember just thinking, like, I, I think that like I can't explain the feeling, but I felt like, you know, I don't know what you believe in God, higher power the universe. I mean, I believe in something I don't know, really know what it is, but I definitely feel something at play. But I felt this kind of like go home, <laughs> like like that fit for me. But he said, Please come home. You've been gone long enough. Let me look after you. And I just went, Okay. And I, you know, did the process of moving home. I was challenging. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was home. I was pregnant. My mom, I don't think I think she was very shamed, you know, and they're not now, obviously, you know, but in the beginning, I mean, I was gone for 13 years. I was a complete stranger to them. You know, I, I mean, I'd come home for Christmas, but I'd be out partying with my, you know, my brother and his friends. You know, it was really hard to come home. I had no friends. You know, I left and I was like, see you later, suckers. You know, like, oh yeah so I kept no contact here and then I landed you know oh do you know what I think about it and I often say to my mom into my parents guest bedroom it's blue I have an aversion to blue in homes now I just still shake it was the loneliest of times I'm not gonna lie my pregnancy um but I genuinely believe that that's where I got my strength from totally clean cold turkey like you know like you know wasn't it, it was interesting because i couldn't give up drugs for myself but it was not that it was easy but i was able to give them up for this life growing inside of me because it wasn't about me anymore it was about you know somebody else and um you know i was a hairdresser in guy in toronto and i was lucky enough like you know the universe provides like about three weeks before i moved home my mom again i've seen an ad in the echo my mom's great for the she was great for the old yeah. ads in the echo you know yeah and uh, it was for a color technician in tony and I got hired before i even came home i rang them and i was like look i'm moving home and she's like you're hired because they didn't have to train someone in a tony and guy way i was already trained so that saved me being able to come home and two days later have a job and I, it was in Paul Street and I didn't drive at the time I had to learn when I was pregnant but I used to I used to get you know, I used to get the I used to walk in because I, I lived in Douglas but I used to get the bus home because I used to be tired and I would get on the bus the road bus and I would think people probably needed to stage an intervention for me you know months later because I would cry all the way home on the bus I was what? so sad I missed Canada so much I like I would dream about being back in Toronto and I would wake up and I'd cry because I wasn't there it took me four years to acclimatize to being back here because at the time it wasn't multicultural it was still you know you know anti-gay anti-women anti-choice anti-feck and everything and I and I came from a culture that was you know accepting of bloody everything and so multicultural so I found that incredibly challenging.
0: What year did you come back then 98? No 2001. Oh 2000 well this is so weird because I moved to Ireland in 2000 from London. Yeah see well I want listen I understand where you're coming from because I was like what on earth is going on here? Where are all the people of colour why is everybody white? (laughs) I just yeah I just was really confused by the whole thing I remember ringing my friends going this place is weird I thought it'd be like moving to Wales because obviously I'm Welsh so I thought it'd be like just moving home to Wales but it was like moving yeah it was like it was like going back a little bit you have to be honest it was a little um I found it very quirky but but really quite scary as well because I like I'll be honest like i would never seen so many white people in one place I was like oh my god this is crazy but then I could understand but then uh, funny enough I was met I wasn't met nicely because my company had taken over an Irish company that had voted to sell but they still weren't happy about it So they didn't treat us very nicely. So I didn't have a really nice experience for the first year, I suppose, that I was here. Um, But luckily, socially, I did. Um, Yeah. You know, I walked into the local pub the first night and Carmel O'Shea ended up being my best mate. And Mm. do you know what I mean? So, but yeah, really weird time. And and, 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 and it is shocking. and, And I know that people, that might not be popular, but it's the truth.
1: Ah, oh, it was so shocking. And as a single parent in two thousand and one, like Jesus, you know the mother and baby homes had just closed. Like the 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 the, the I, I don't want to say abuse, but I want to say abuse that sometimes I, abuse. I, I, I that that people gave me. Um, you know, I always remember horrendous social welfare um worker. Like horrendous, and I was thinking, why are you? Why are you doing this job? Like I'm not here taking money out of your pocket, you know. Like give me a break. And um, but the stigma of that was was still very alive when I came home as as a as a, as a, as a single mom. But I believe my. You know, 12, 13 years in Canada steeled me for that because I knew loads of single parents over in Canada. So for me, I wasn't ashamed. I, I was like, great, hey, my
0: schoolmates had kids before they
1: left school. <laughs> right? Like, but, 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 other people wanted to to make me feel shame. And um, so like it took me, I remember actually going to see um, Pearl Harbor, worst movie ever. My mom, you know, asked my brother and his girlfriend who's his wife now at the time, Jesus Christ, would you ever take her to, my mom was great really in fairness. Like when you, you know, she's there the whole time pushing me out of my comfort zone. And, you know, like, so big ups to my mom. I love her so much. Um, she said to my brother, my God, would you ever take her out for a movie? All she does when she comes home from work is sits and cry. And so like, I was used to huge movie complexes, like multiplexes in Canada. And I remember going down to Douglas going, sitting there, Going, what the hell? Like I can't live here. I can't. And my brother's like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "This is like sitting in my living room. Like I can't, I can't live here anymore. Like this is." And I think people were just. Oh, I bet you were so popular. <laughs> yeah. Well, so popular. I think they were so sick of me. And also, I think, I think I I remember my mom and dad saying they were literally waiting for me for four years to walk in and say, "I'm done. I'm out of here. Goodbye. I can't yeah. be dealing with these people anymore." Um. And then I went to oh, then I went to college, and everything changed.
0: What what was what made you go to college though? What did you think? You know, because like I say, four years in, you're like something has to change. I either get back on a flight or or something yes. else has to happen. So, what made you what do college like? What stood out when I was in? Let's say school, your mum saw an advert in the. No, air. she didn't. <laughs> funny
1: if I did though actually my mom saw an ad in the paper and <laughs> she's not that amazing and um, when I was in school you know inside but I never said it out loud because I was always in trouble and teachers had written me off as this bad, you know hopeless case I always wanted to be a social worker I always had this pull to kind of you know work with you know with with people who, you know, felt like they didn't belong or they were in trouble and like, it made sense to me. Um, but because of my experience with Marianne, um, I, I knew, and because I because I never had anyone when I was young, I mean, oh my goodness, like I, I work with young people sometimes and I find myself thinking, gosh, you know, like would things have been different for me? You know, would I felt differently about myself had I had an intervention at 15 or 16, you know? Because that wasn't you know around back then, and um, so uh, I had a client that would come in to do her color. I would do her color in Tonya Guy, and she was a psychotherapist. And I used to beckon love listening about her job. And I remember just one day she saying, to, uh, "You know, I said God, I'd love to do that, but you know, I'm too old now. I was 34. Yeah, 34, and she just went, too old, are you joking? You actually have to be this age. Yeah. And she gave me, um, you know, where she where she th- thought would be a good fit for me it was a four-year co- course, the Flatstone Institute. It was part-time at the time. And um, that's what I did for four years. And, and it fundamentally changed me personally, um and completely changed my career like I had to do work experience as part of it and that just completely changed my career direction like I was no longer a hairdresser I was you know a youth worker and then drugs worker yeah
0: amazing and so when you qualify do you then Mm -hmm. go on to do drugs as a separate you know separate entity or do you qualify in all areas
1: no I did um I did uh so, so to you can work in the in the drug um, world without education, but I did education because um, I wanted to be accredited by an accreditation body as a as a yes. as a drugs counselor, and to do that you have to have education in the drug and alcohol world. So I did, so I did addiction studies um, for a couple of years and. Um while I was working. Um, but I just kind of fell into this work because I realized that I I, I was working in a diversion project first for kids who've come to the attention of the Guardian. Like they don't have criminal records, but their guards are like, For God's sake, Johnny, no more public order, you have to go see Alex. But a lot of that was drug and alcohol related. And, and I found myself really understanding it because of where I came from. So I you know, I, I did a course on addiction studies. I went to UCC to do youth and community. Um, and then uh, I got a job for two years in young person's probation, then working with kids who had been in front of a judge. And then the drugs job just came up and and I wasn't going to go for it genuinely because I was still kind of feeling, oh, I'm not confident and, you know, I don't have enough experience. But everybody that I worked with was like, I think you should throw your hat in the ring. And I'm here six years now. And, you know, and it's I love I just this this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I love it so much.
0: Isn't it funny how it sometimes it takes us so long to to. to Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The scenic route. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I I, and I say this all the time when I'm talking to people. You'll always get there. You you just we all take different routes.
1: Oh yeah. Oh my God, yeah.
0: Like I do what I love to do every day now, like every day. Whereas I used to do it like a few hours a week, and I'm like, why did I not just? But again, it's that. Am I good enough? You know that stupid voice in our heads that we have to catch. Like I find myself catching it daily. Um, And I think that's the trick. If you can catch it when it starts, you know, you can reverse it. Yes. Because you don't want it to you don't want to say that full sentence to yourself because it's just true.
1: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, we were talking at the beginning of, you know, the the conversation you asked me, you know, like, why aren't you doing your podcast anymore? And I said it to you, I completely I went down the rabbit hole with that train thought during lockdown. And I said, no, I'm not good enough. I lost my confidence, but I allowed myself to go down the rabbit hole and I'm down there. I'm like oh, I'm down here I don't really care you know and you were just like what and I was like yeah I, I, I allowed myself I allowed that
0: thought process to completely take flight and I stopped doing my podcast and it's a shame because it was so good like I loved it and mm-hmm. and so uh, before we came on on air, I, I, I've i taken that challenge. You know, Monday is International Day. I'm taking that challenge and I'm bringing <laughs> you back. So okay. <laughs> I'm happy. I, 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 I'm willing to be dragged out of the rabbit hole now. Yeah, for sure. One hundred percent. But this is the first step of it, isn't it? Like. Yeah. To, to come back out of it and actually all things like recording like people say it's not so easy to meet people it's not so easy to to socialize like I'm so used to this kind of socializing now yeah um that it it is weird and I you know I'm I'm the girl with every phobia I'm scared of the wind I'm scared of the sea <laughs> I'm scared of yeah. shower curtains and, and I'm a little bit scared of people now um, yeah so I understand yeah, I have to be really careful that that doesn't become a new phobia. I mean, it would be the strangest thing for Sean Horn to get that phobia. It really would. Yeah. But I do think about it. Yeah. Um, I, am I going to allow it? I'm. I'm determined not to. But um, yeah. but people's touch does make me nervous now.
1: Yeah.
0: And that isn't. Yeah. That, like it just makes me so sad it
1: is and I'm single so you can imagine for single people how fucking terrifying that is you know like I just I have I had this vision a few months ago when it would open up and I would just start like I'm thinking it's going to be pretty easy to hook up right after this because you know I hate online dating it's just it sucks the soul out of me so I don't do it anymore and I was thinking do you know what a positive of COVID will be everyone's going to be so tired of looking at their phone or looking at the screen that they'll be wanting to you know like meet people in person. So that my thought you know process three months ago I was envisioning myself standing you know like in the middle of electric just going come on boys come at me me. yeah right and now, three months later, I'm like, can you sanitize your hands first? Can you stand over six six feet over there? I'm not really sure where you've been. Like, it is kind of like, yay, yeah, come at me, but I'm not really sure if I want you to anymore.
0: <laughs> I know, it's just too weird. I um, yeah. For me, I was like, and all my single friends, I was like, this is the time that you meet someone, because you're gonna, but I'm like, now is the time, lockdown yeah. is the time, because you actually get to have conversations with people. It's not just like, do you wanna go for a drink? and all those yes I do yes I do <laughs> I really do I remember online dating a long time ago and yeah. I'm going like, 15 years and and actually people would get really shitty with me because I wouldn't meet them straight away um yeah. I'd always be like no I'd like to get to know you a bit uh first and they'd be like oh I'm not wasting my time with this born old woman do you know what I mean yeah. and then and then I actually this would make you laugh so my next door neighbor lived upstairs she um, she would be on the same sites, you know, But and I'd be like, oh, and she'd be like, have you met anybody? And I'd be like, no, no. And and uh, I, I could hear that she was. <laughs> Yay! I, was like, I, th- I think you're meeting for the both of us. It's grand. That's it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all good. <laughs> but, but I love that full circle of your story. Do you know that, like, if you go, you know, that you're using what you learned through not a great time in your life, you're now yeah. using that to help other people. And yeah, I think that's, that's the answer to everything, isn't it? It's the giving. It is the giving,
1: you know, and, and I think, you know, that I, you know, forget that sometimes, certainly not in my professional life, but in my personal life, I sometimes forget that. I think because in my purse, you know, in my professional life, it, it can be so, you know, heartbreaking sometimes and and overwhelming as well as fulfilling and joyous um that I I sometimes do you know I I I sometimes revert back to that 14 year old that that you know thinks you know I'm 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 an imposter here you know like does she really like me or does she you know want something for like I I still do revert back sometimes so you know, I think the giving part, I'm very good at professionally, but I absolutely find myself needing to work on that in in it personally. You know, but but I think we're always fucking working on something. I mean, I I actually think that if, if I ever got to the stage where I thought I didn't want to work on something, I'd be like, what's the point then? Because there'd be, there would be no point for me because I'm very much a down the rabbit hole with myself, with my feelings, with my process. How can I be better? How can I improve that situation? You know? um, But I do definitely think for me that the giving part, sometimes I, 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 I forget how to do it because it gets over so overwhelmed sometimes. And I think that's what happened with the podcast. I got so overwhelmed with what other people were thinking about it that I lost my confidence in that narrative. So I, I I can do that in my friendship sometimes.
0: You said earlier that, you know, your mom said that they shouldn't have Dr. Phil growing up. And one thing that Dr. Phil always says, it's none of your business what people think of you. Yeah, but it's so I mean- hard though. And I, but I love that, but you know what? I'm good. Like I'm good. Like I don't care why people don't like me because I can't change in the same premise. I I don't care why people like me. I hope that they like me because I'm a good person. Yes. And all I ever want from a meeting is for people to feel better leaving. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes in friendships, we have to be aware of that. Like I was telling the story this week, um, lots of people rang me for help at the beginning of this year and 70% of them didn't ask me how I, how I was. Uh, Yeah. But but I do remember who they were. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because, but it made me sad.
1: And I think, you know, like, and I, and I think that that's probably, you know, my next bit of work in myself because I, ne- I I just don't, you know, obviously I'm always learning professionally as well. My goodness, we're always training and everything, but I'm so comfortable and confident in my professional capacity. But I think it's more now... Like, I know for sure that this time of my life, because I had a really rocky six months when I turned 50, I had no idea who I was. Oh my God, I'm 50. How did that happen? It really affected me. And the podcast went and I went really, you know, into myself and and a lot of that real old self-belief stuff came up. But now I know that it came up so I could just, you know, like, you know, purge it, you know, again, you know, and now I feel that that now for me is it's all personal relationships. I'm single. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't know why I'm single. I know exactly why I'm single. I know why I'm single. You know, I, I, you know, and I know that that's something I would like to change. You know, I, I, I give in relationships, but I, I hold my, I hold myself back. You know, a lot. And I know why that is. So I know for sure at the moment that that seems to be coming up for me is that kind of like, you know, connect. You know, my 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 energy, like you know, my universe is telling me yeah. connect on a personal level, not professional. You're okay. Professional is okay, but you need work over here. You need work over here, and that's why you know when you asked me to do this, I was delighted. You know, I was like, you know, like oh, that's just so nice to be asked. And we always have the greatest chats, you know. Um, and I, I was really looking forward to it because I kind of feel like it's me kind of saying, okay, I'm, pull me out of the rabbit hole. Or you know what? Actually, I'll climb out the bloody rabbit hole myself, but it's nice that you're there.
0: Yeah. no, so I, That's how you, really know, you didn't it? <laughs> it's always much more fun with company. <laughs> 100%. All rabbit holes, all rabbit holes. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, and do you know what? I will say one thing. Like, you are hot, okay? So, like, oh, this, is oh, like you so much. But this is my theory like but no you are like your bloody hair like it drives me mad you're, like, oh. you're just you're just like a hot <laughs> woman so for me like doesn't it sound better though like I'm I'm 50 and really hot than yes. I'm 40, 49 like that, I think that 47 to 49 bit's a bit nightmare yeah like I'm 50 yeah. in December and I actually can't wait to say yeah I, I'm 50 and feeling Really yes,
1: special. I can say it now. It took me a while, but I'm there now.
0: Yeah, Definitely. amazing. Well, listen, I know I said about the jar, there is really yes. a jar. So I'm going to take a couple of questions. Okay. From okay. To finish. I, love this. I, I love, love this. And these are just left from the girls. That I know. Left. This is my favorite part. Oh, okay, we might do three. That I might put another one. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, oh, this is a nice one. What? Oh, two songs. What song makes oh. you smile, and what song makes you cry? oh so um it's the same song for me i have
1: a song that makes me smile and then will also make me cry so it'll be no shock to anyone that it's an elbow song and it's uh, scattered black and whites by elbow and i actually just that's that, that's my all time most favorite ever in the whole world and you know when i need to when i when i know that i i'm sad and i need some comforting i will play it and then when i'm happy and i need you know to 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 feel the happiness I will also play that same song
0: love it love it what is the one thing you're most proud of
1: my son without question like without question yeah my kid he just uh I'm in awe all the time of him and his Dr. Phil self-awareness that I absolutely love
0: and he's a gentleman I have to say uh,
1: He's thank you I just him he is my greatest accomplishment yeah
0: no he's <laughs> which all
1: everyone when I when I was pregnant they were like
0: oh congratulations and now I bet they're going congratulate they're
1: like I need tips on how to raise my kid like yours
0: and i'm yeah, like okay no. he's 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 he's, an, he's a gentleman thank you. he really is last one describe yeah. yourself in three words
1: ooh uh Passionate, competitive,
0: and
1: resilient.
0: Brilliant, and I think that is a, a beautiful way to finish. So, Alex, thank you so much. Thank I'm you. forward to the next podcast that you're bringing out next month. You will be
1: my first guest. Thank okay. you very much. For saying, yes,
0: and um, <laughs> we shall speak soon.